Who do you work for, really? Each one of us has a calling. Have you heard this before? Your workplace is your mission field, wherever that may be. You either work for him or work against him, but you work for someone. Who do you really work for? Is it your clients, your boss, your family, yourself, or your Lord? This isn't a trick question. There is a right answer. You're either all in or all out. Are you for him? I am. In fact, I work for him. Hey, Jim, who do you work for? I work for him. I work for Jesus Christ. I want to be your hands. Let me introduce you to the host of the I Work For Him show, Jim Brangenberg. Welcome, welcome, welcome. You've tuned into the I Work For Him radio show with your host, Jim Brangenberg. Take a minute and listen. I Work For Him, it's not a program that you sign up for. It's a mentality. It's a way of living. It's a permanent shift in your Christ-following paradigm. It's a revolution that's happening in the workplace, and it's about bringing the kingdom of God into places where the kingdom is is ignored. Keep in mind that your existence in your workplace, it's not by chance. It doesn't matter what you do or where you do it. Whether you're a pastor, a car mechanic, an attorney, a teacher, a mom, a used car salesperson, your work, it matters to God. And he expects you to be his representative in your workplace. And in your workplace, to recognize that that's your mission field. And in that mission field, you may be the only Jesus your coworkers and employees may ever meet. Now, I know you've heard me say this tons and tons of times, but every day we need to be reminded that going to work is not just to draw paychecks so we can buy groceries. Going to work every day is an opportunity to be a light for Christ. Each day on the I Work For Him show, we try to bring you the practical, the tactical, the factual, and the biblical ways to incorporate your faith into your workplace. I don't come to you as an expert. I don't come to you as somebody that's got this all figured out. I'm just one guy trying to live my life transparently so that you can maybe gain something in order to be an effective witness for Christ in your workplace. Our paradigm shift is described like this. Romans 12.2, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Welcome to the I Work Ram Zone. I hope you're never the same. Hey, we have very special guests on my show today, my mom and dad. Martha and I have joined, have asked, we've had Martha's folks on the air with us many times, and we've, last year in studio, I had my mom and dad on at Christmas time, but they didn't really want to say anything, and so I said this year, hey, just do me a favor, come join us in studio, we're going to have a conversation on our Together on Tuesday show when Martha's here, so we could talk about marriage relationship issues, and you're going to get to hear from my parents, so if you ever want to explain, get an explanation on why I am the way I am... <laughs> This is it, that my folks are right here. They've been married 62 and a half years. They've known each other since they were 16 and 17 years old. Is that right, or is it 15 and 16? 16 and 17 years old, and which is a long time. I mean, back then, there was barely running water. Was there electricity? Sorry, just kidding. Hey, but I chose this verse for you, Mom and Dad. Train up from Proverbs 22, 6. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. I think I'm now old. So, <laughs> so, maybe, so hopefully you're not going to depart at this point, right? Yeah, that's right. That's right. So maybe I'm on the right track. So mom and dad, we'll call them John and Marie Brangenberg, but I'm going to call them mom and dad. But their names are John and Marie Brangenberg. They they come from a very long line of uh, Brangenbergs. They came, we came from Germany, Germany, and Italy. So that's where we came from. Mom and dad, welcome to I Work For Him. 
Well, thank you. Thank you. It's a privilege to be here. Now, we're, we're hoping that down the line you'll you'll get a little more comfortable in the studio, and Dad will probably come back next year and go, hey, we got to do this again. This is awesome. So in the time we got left, just really quickly, talk about how Christ is making a difference in your life today. Dad, I know that every day when you wake up, you do your devotions. Talk talk about that quiet time that you have in the morning. Yeah, it, it's, it's something really special. Uh, I've been doing it now for, well, since I was 50, so almost 33 years. Uh, and I like the first thing I like to do after I've gotten out of bed is to go out and make a cup of tea and sit down with my Bible and, and study the Word. And I have some devotionals that I read as well as the Bible. And each year my goal is to uh, read through the entire Bible. Uh, I, I have a bit of a memory problem. And I, and I really don't remember an awful lot each day, but uh, I, I just get so blessed by reading the Word, the comfort that I feel, and, and taking the time and effort to do so. Uh, really, really gives me a good feeling, and uh, so that's that's pretty much it. When you get up before the birds get up, because you're playing golf usually at six o'clock in Tucson before the sun gets 180 thousand degrees. <laughs> what are some of those devotionals that you're using? Are you, what, what are some of the names of them? Like uh, Daily Bread, is that one of them? That's one for sure. I've, I, been, I've been using Daily Bread for 30 some years now. Uh, I gave the, you that Oz Hillman one, the Today right. God is First one. Do you use yep, that one, too? Yep, yep. Do you like that one? Yep, I like it. Yep. That was a good one. All right, so, Mom, we'll talk about how Christ is making a difference in your life today. Well, he's my compass. Uh, he is my stability. Uh, he is my—he's there for me every minute. And so, um, as he guides me I um, through the day, I know that he is— um, going to bring what is he has planned for the day and so i am in harmony with him most of the time not all the time and um he really brings a thankfulness to my life he, he brings me he lifts me up and uh, i'm learning more about him every day even though i'm 81 years old i'm still learning so it's not you're not too old to learn new things then <laughs> not at all. You should see my mom's office. My mom's office is not plastered with wallpaper, not plastered with paint. I have no idea if there's paint there. It's plastered with books. Many of you have heard how I am kind of a pro prolific reader. Well, both my parents are readers. Mm -hmm. And my mom, she reads all the serious stuff. My dad reads all the fun stuff. And I got a love for both. I, I read the fun stuff when I need a break from reading the serious stuff. All right. So when we come back, mom and dad, I want to talk about your marriage. I want to talk about the, your kids and the fact that you know, I, I, I don't know how many radio talk show hosts get to do this where they get a chance to bring their parents on to, to kind of tattle on them. But it's I wanted people to understand where my faith came from, where it was brought up and, and how, what got me here to this microphone, which never would have happened without the support of you guys and, and dragging me to church as a, as a young kid. So and the support for our ministry all along. So the genetic makeup right here. If you, In fact, when we post the pictures later on tonight, you're going to go, holy smokes, Jim, you look just like your dad. Yes, I do. We're, I'm not his mini-me, though, because I'm taller than him. But I'm, I'm his maxi-me 33 years later. So it, it is one of those things. Got an incredible privilege having John and Marie Brangenberg in the studio today. My folks, we're gonna. We figured it was a perfect time, didn't we, Martha, to be able to bring mom and dad in on it together on Tuesday, so we can talk about marriage and relationships. And they've got such a long legacy, just like your folks. We thought that'd be a lot of fun. Yes, and I just want to, for the record, on the air, tell everybody how very, very privileged I am to have such amazing in-laws. 
love them to death. And uh, I'm so thrilled to have them here with us so we can just share with our audience, with our listeners, because that's what it's all about is just taking what somebody else has learned and trying to be able to let other people apply it. And and sometimes we hit the mark and sometimes we don't. Um, and that's real life, too. And learning from just uh, a wonderful, long legacy of marriage, um, something that somebody can glean today. What a great thing that is. And we can learn as well. Absolutely. Hey, before we get back to mom and dad. A thank you to our show sponsors. Let's thank so much. To, thank you so much, Jeff Ruby with Red Rock Leadership. In, in the next segment, you're going to hear a take the lead moment from Jeff. Just a, a, an inspirational moment on how to be a great leader in your workplace. Thanks so much to RedRockLeadership.com. That's RedRockLeadership.com. Thanks to Luke, Dave, and Randy from Bel Air Wealth Management. You know, Luke Andrews has been a sponsor of the show from the very beginning. Merry Christmas to these guys. Thank you so much for your support. Mm-hmm. If you need an advisor, a financial advisor that's got a heart for the Lord, you need to talk to these guys. BelairWealthManagement.com. That's BelairWealthManagement.com. And so much, so much, so many. Wow, Martha, I don't know. These, I didn't You're have any so caffeine. Excited I am Christmas. so excited for Christmas. <laughs> I'm looking forward to some <laughs> days <family>. off. <laughs> Most Insurance. Thanks so much to Eric and Craig and Bob from Most Insurance. Find them online at mostins.com. For auto, home, life, and small business insurance, these guys are the greatest. They do such a great job. Thanks so much to all of our show sponsors. Hey, we want to remind you of our incredible, Martha, we've got an incredible giveaway. MTL Magazine has given us an entire WOW CD brick to give away, and we're giving it away next Tuesday, the 29th, a week from today. Yes, that's right. So they um, need to go to our, our Facebook page. I work for him. And under my face, straight down, there's a little thing that says, Wow CD giveaway. And you click on that and enter into the drawing and also like our Facebook page while you're out there. And on the 28th at midnight, the computer will randomly select the winner and we get to announce that on the air on the 29th. It's 39 CDs. 39 or 34? It's 30. I'm sorry, 33. Did I say 39? You did. No, I'm not going to find six more CDs to add to it. <laughs> 39 Now people of them. Get are going to think no, you took six CDs out of it. I don't know why I did that. But anyway, so it's the WOW 2016 and then 32 additional CDs that are from every artist that's on the WOW CD. So it's a fantastic it's deal. You got to go to our Facebook page, sign up. Please like our Facebook page and then sign up for the giveaway. And there are no restrictions on and Everybody's eligible because we are not picking the winner. Except so for me. Martha's not eligible and I'm not eligible. I don't really care. I'll get to listen to, I just listen to other music on another. You're hoping that people will share. That's no, right. We're kidding. hoping. Yeah, that's right. But we, but it, there are no restrictions. So please sign up and get out there today. We're just trying to drive some traffic to our Facebook page and we love to reward our listeners. So go out to I Work For Him on Facebook. All right, back to my mom and dad. My mom has got 14 pages of notes she wants to read today on the air. And so I, I want to make sure that I give her all the time that she needs in order. No, I'm not really going to give my mom all that time. to. It's my show, mom, not yours. Actually, it's I work for him. It's not ours. Okay, so, uh, you know, growing up, I know I was quite a handful. Uh, although you guys, what's great about your memory is I've gotten old and approached, you know, mid-century mark. You, you always talk about what a great kid I was. I'm so grateful that all that stuff, you've blocked out all that other stuff. Did you ever imagine that I'd be a radio talk show host? I didn't, but I knew, I know that God did. 
And so I knew when I was teaching you how to talk <laughs> that there must be a good reason for this because you haven't stopped since. And so, <laughs> what do you mean? What do, what does that mean? It means just what she's saying. You haven't really stopped talking since then. Although you know he does run out of words. You you were close to being a, a perfect kid. You were helpful. You were caring. Uh, you used to scrub the floor after school, and and uh, you would do the lawn. You would move the furniture all without being told. Scrub the oven. What kid? Have My you lungs ever... have never recovered from the oven cleaner, though. <laughs> Just for the record, oven cleaner in the seventies was bad on people's lungs. Yeah. <laughs> okay. You know, but, people but... people think that Marie might be just exaggerating how good you were, but. Uh, the reality is that you really were a wonderful young child, and uh, you, you haven't changed over the years. The way you uh, always look to help out people, strangers, doesn't much matter if you see somebody needs a helping hand, you're right there to, to come out and help. And uh, you've been an amazing son. You really have. I thought you were going to be an insurance man, obviously, because that's what I did. And you did take a shot at it, and you were successful. But then the Lord called you to this ministry, and this is working out, and we're really tickled to death about it. Well, I'm glad. You know, I'd love to be able to serve you guys more if you would just move from Arizona here to Florida. He then doesn't say serve, that very often, Then does I can he? serve you even more often. Hey, if, if you'd like to see my mom and dad move from Tucson to Tampa Bay, go ahead and call the studio line now at 877 <laughs> Okay, okay. <laughs> but I think that'd be great. I think that'd be awesome. All right, so what I thought was interesting as I was preparing for the show today, you got three kids. Uh, you know, my, my oldest brother is seven years older than me. He's a pastor. He's helped start a couple of Christian colleges. Um, Sue's the CFO of a Christian college up in Minneapolis, and she's going to be on the air with us next week. You know, and I'm a Christian talk radio show with my incredible wife, Martha, uh, and, and Johnny's wife, April, is right alongside him in, the, in their ministry. We're doing Christian marriage mentoring. Did you ever imagine that giving your lives to Christ would have such an impact on your kids, your grandkids, and other people's kids? Because you got to realize that. Your what you guys have invested in us is now invested in families that have grandkids. Did you ever imagine you'd have such an impact? Uh, not at all. But God planned that, and we just followed along the way He led us. But um, I think that I feel really humbled by the fact that our children are all working for the Lord, and that the grandkids are following in the footsteps too. And so, uh, this is an amazing journey that He started out. And when we started, we were very new to all of this. I was 27 years old when I read the Bible for the first time, changed my life, never been the same, still studying it, still learning from it. And uh, we took our kids to, to church um, Wednesday night, <laughs> Sunday morning, Sunday night. They went to uh, Yes, I had a drug problem when I was a child. You drug me to church three times a week. <laughs> <laughs> but they went to Christian camp. They, they were in uh, Bible Memory Association. And when we used to pull out of the driveway on Wednesday night, the kids in the neighborhood would say, ha ha, we know where you're going. <laughs> That's right. How many radio talk shows bring their mom and dad on the radio with them? I don't know, but I don't care. Most, I really wanted my, what? Most are probably too afraid to do that. <laughs> you're giving them up. Open mic. <laughs> Open mic. Whatever you want to say, Mom and Dad, it's all about you today. <laughs> you know, but I want to welcome you back to listen to I Work For Him. I wanted you to be able to hear a special opportunity for you to hear from the hearts of my parents who raised me and who encouraged me in my faith. And as I joked with my mother, they had a drug problem. I had a drug problem when I was a kid. My parents were constantly drugging me to church. They didn't come out right. That's all right. Dragging. People get it. They get it. I they was, drug you. Uh, 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 yeah, that's right. Okay. 
All right. So one of the things that I think a lot of people would really like to hear from you guys is, you know, it is amazing um, in this society where we often feel like marriage is very much a throwaway disposal thing. You guys are heading into your 62nd anniversary. And we want you to just take a few minutes and talk about what you attribute that to. What is the secret sauce in your marriage? Oh, don't be shy. <laughs> Dad, you go, no, Mom, we know Mom's got it written down already, Dad. Dad, you just give us one, what, what do you think one of the secrets has been to, no, it's not a secret, what, what's one of the things that that has kept the glue together for these 62 years? My wife. <laughs> no, really, uh, uh, you know, uh, a good marriage, I believe, is, is, is a good partnership. And if you've got a spouse that you see eye to eye with, a spouse that you love dearly and are willing to... Uh, sacrifice your own needs at times just to, mm. to help out that person your spouse uh, who you put their needs ahead of your needs and if you do that it, it just seems to be a magical formula for peace and happiness and uh, my marriage I know that there have been times I haven't been the perfect husband uh, but my wife is really I, I can't think of a time when she let me down uh, and she was always there when I needed the helping hand she's just a an amazing, amazing person. And God has really done me a great service. Mm. Awesome. You know, you were sharing last night at dinner, you said that if she needed you to, you would even put her shoes on for her. So, <laughs> I do, you know, that's, that's sacrifice at its greatest. <laughs> hey, and before we get back to mom's answer to that question, I want to thank Angie LeMaster from Clearwater for calling in, winning the Bible. We will get that out to you right after the beginning of the first year. Now, Angie, don't forget to go out to our website and uh, our I Work For Him's Facebook page and uh, sign up for the big MTL giveaway. Well, I'm just so glad, Angie, that you called in. Thank you that you love our show. Thank you that you're listening every day. Tell other friends when you're at church this weekend for Christmas all about I Work For Him. All right, Mom, your chance. Okay. Um, commitment is really uh, the key to marriage, but God is the third person in our marriage. Mm -hmm. And this really is the glue that keeps it together. And so it teaches, marriage teaches you a lot of things. It teaches you how to sacrifice and how to uh, forgive. And then if you meet the other person's needs and they do the same, then you have a happy marriage instead of demanding your own way. And so uh, spending time together, talking things out, having fun together and, um, Believing in your vows before God, that and that faithfulness is is the the uh, glue that holds God uh, God in your marriage, and you need to stay with it. And so my um, my spouse overlooks my quirks, and he looks over, overlooks my faults, and we I try to do the same. And so despite uh, the fact that we're fallible, that we're not perfect. Uh, we do have a wonderful time together, and I'm married to my best friend, mm. and I praise God for him. You mm. have quirks? You bet. <laughs> <laughs> do we want to talk about some of those quirks today on the radio? What are some of the things? What, what? No, I'm just kidding. I'm no, not but going. can I share something? This is, yes, you can. Okay, I was just thinking about this kind of about quirks, but in a, in a weird sort of way. Sometimes Jim will do something, you guys can attest to this, you know, where he'll be crazy and wild or whatever. And on more than one occasion, my mother-in-law has looked at me and said, you know, when you married him, he became yours. 
<laughs> so, you know, it's just kind of funny how that is and looking at that. But more what she comments on, Dad, is when I bend over and I grunt and I get back up and I grunt, she goes, Man, are you like your father making noises everywhere I go? Uh, and of course, as I look in the mirror every day, and I just see you. So, but with slightly more hair, but barely any more hair. All right. So, mom, when you were in your late fifties, you got some crazed—I don't know—radical idea that you want to go back to school to get your master's degree. What, what was that? What drove you to do that? Because I, I hope that that doesn't happen to me ten years from now. Well, um, you know, I was, I'm a lifelong learner. I love to go to school, but I was teaching um, math in high school, and the teens had a lot of problems and, uh, and their families as well. And so I really wanted to um, know how to deal with them in a better way, that I felt I needed to learn how to be a better counselor and, uh, and for the marriages that were bringing up these, ki these kids. It, that these children were being built that brought, brought up in. So I had an opportunity because God, at that time, uh, teaching jobs were hard to get, and we moved, and I was able to go. You were right. tired of teaching anyway. You <laughs> yes. had been a substitute teacher for 17 years. And, and just for the record, in front of a national audience, ever actually, actually an international audience, you should have written the book. You should have written the book, The Life of of a substitute teacher. <laughs> At dinner time, we always had dinner together. Didn't matter when we had dinner, we always had dinner together and mom would come home with stories of things that kids did to her in high school as a substitute teacher. And we'd laugh until we'd cry so many times. And I'm like, mom, you gotta write the book. Mom, you should've written the book. <laughs> I, I wish I had, I did take some notes, but <laughs> yeah, but I know what those notes look like. I'll never be able to read them. But being able to, to really learn professionally how to deal with people and help them uh, with a god, godly background was, was really fulfilling and filled my heart. And so I never was a, a counselor in a, in a school, but uh, I worked for an evangelical association, and I, was, I worked at several churches, and I always prayed with all of the people and some of some of them were saved along the way, and uh, looking back on it, it was a, a unique privilege to be able to do that. And I praise God for it. Did you learn a lot? I mean, because you, you, you and I have had a lot of conversations, and I've had to learn a lot of the stuff you learn in your master's degree. I've learned the hard way, as Martha and I've done marriage mentoring. We've had to learn psychology the hard way. Do you, did you really? Because you'd always been a counselor. I mean, people had always come to you for counseling. I can remember people at our house when I was a little kid coming over for a marriage mentoring from you, and we won't mention any names, but the, you know, did you really learn a lot? Well, theoretically I did, but the practical part you have to work out. And mm -hmm. indeed, I learned a lot about relationships, and, and I uh, learned a lot about how you just have to let God lead the way. Very often when... Um, I had a session, the ver the, just the right verse would come to my mind that would fit the situation, and that uh, the Holy Spirit led those sessions, uh, and I learned to be a more patient person, I learned to be a more uh, loving person, and uh, an accepting person, and so it had a big impact on my life as well as on the lives of the people that I was counseling. Mm -hmm. You definitely learned how to ask questions. I am a question asker. That's how I learned. <laughs> I understand. So, Dad, when Mom got her master's degree in Christian counseling, did that what what difference did that make in your marriage when Mom went through all that research? 
Well, it really, it, it was a positive thing. It, it really was not a negative thing because I was in agreement with what she was doing. And uh, I had a chance to hear her uh, talking to people on the telephone at times. I, I had a chance to just talk with her in general about uh, cases. She would never give me the names of people that she was counseling. And so I never got that information. But I did get uh, information sometimes about what they would, had talked about in general uh, without going into the specifics. But uh, it was just a fun thing. She really delved into it with her whole heart. And I've had a number of people that I have met since that time who have come up to me to tell me how much they have appreciated uh, Marie and, and the work that she did to help them through a very, very, very difficult time in their lives. And because a lot of people could not afford to have counseling, um, most of what I did was pro bono. And that really uh, was unto the Lord with the thanks that I could go back and learn and help others. Well, and that's what Martha and I figured out, is that couples that are really in need, they don't have any money to pay for mentoring or counseling. And that's that's why we're. I mean, that's why we love doing it, and that's what Together on Tuesdays with Jim and Martha is all about. We bring to you the issues that you want to know the answers to, and every Tuesday we're delving deep into a marriage issue. And this week we just get to have a star couple, somebody that's actually figured it out for sixty-two and a half years. That's my mom and dad, John and Marie Brangenberg. So today you're hearing from my mom and dad, who've been married sixty-two years. You just, if you're just tuning in now, you missed the secret that they shared. That that stuff has helped them last. 62 years and and we're going to dig more deeply into that but just want to welcome you back to i work for him as martha and i just kind of every tuesday we try to take a a sidestep into marriage and relationships because if at home stuff is screwed up messed up just really not the way it should be it impacts how you go to work it impacts your testimony it impacts your ability to be jesus wherever you are and so we just want to, we always focus on that on Tuesdays. But as we consider this weekend, we got a couple of really special shows tuning in. Christmas Eve, Martha and I have almost, you know, we had all of our kids, yeah, we almost all of our kids call in for the show. And we pre-recorded it because it's Christmas Eve. We, we got to be with our families, but you'll be able to listen to it and be able to hear that. We're so excited about that. And on Friday for Christmas Day, we recorded a whole bunch of Christmas stories. We did. Um, I reached out to a very good friend of mine and author, Cynthia Rupti, and I said, Cynthia, I need some Christmas short stories. So she sent us some that we were able to um, read and kind of play act, as well as a um, story about Gabriel by David Jeremiah. Yeah, a lot of fun. David Jeremiah, or was that, no, that was Chuck Swindoll. Okay. Chuck Swindoll, Inside for Living. All right, so we, Dad, I wanted to ask you this question. You were a sales manager and, and were in sales for most of your life. And, and that's what I remember more of it. Growing up, it, you know, you had, you sold insurance, your people sold insurance underneath you. You invested a lot in the people that worked for you. And, and that's how I think I learned to be a pretty good manager based on how I saw you interact with people. What was the most fun thing of investing in people on a daily basis? Well, it's hard to. <laughs> Hard to give you a, 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 an honest answer on that because there were so many things that uh, we we did in the course of our forty three years at Liberty Mutual. Uh, but nice plug. Well, no, I'm not even giving a I'm plug. Sorry. I mean, I, I I certainly believe in Liberty Mutual. They don't pay my college. I'm but, good with uh, that. Yeah, that's correct. <laughs> it, it was great for our career, and I have no regrets whatsoever about spending my time there. But getting back to the question. Um, you know, I always tried, I didn't want to be buddy-buddies with anybody as far as those people working for me. However, 
I saw not, nothing wrong with having a good, positive relationship with them uh, and have a, a, that they would have a feeling of trust in what I was saying and what I was doing and coming to me for help if they felt that they needed it or if they wanted me to go on a call with them, that type of thing. Uh, and then a feeling of trust uh, that they could come in and, and, and burden, unburden themselves, if you will, if they were troubled by uh, an incident in their life or about something on the job or whatever it might be, that they would know that I'd at least be willing to hear them out and, and give them my opinion uh, that might be of some help to them. Mm-hmm. So it's a, it was, I, I had a wonderful relationship with my force. I had to fire some people uh, early on in my career in, in, in the Minneapolis office, and I think that set a, a a good example that when I told them, you know, they better believe me because otherwise they're going to have a problem. And so it worked out real well. I, uh, after those first couple of incidents, I never had any more problems with, with my salespeople and my other people that worked with me. And it was a very, very positive experience in every every way. But you grew up in a time where managers didn't have relationships with their people. It was a, It was very... You know, it was the old style management where, where people that as they moved up the ladder, they kind of held the people at bay that went underneath them. Just do your job. We don't really you know socialize outside of it. And you broke those barriers with people. Yeah, right. And it made a difference because you could still go back. And some of those guys have now retired. I think that's hilarious. The guy that was rookie when we moved to Minnesota, he's now retired. Yeah. The, but you invested in them and they're still friends with you today. That's correct. In fact, uh, I had I played golf with two of them uh, this summer. Uh, and had a great time, and then I had another private ceremony with uh, Dave Barsness just recently, and uh, just a, you know a, a casual get together. It was just a wonderful experience. He was the first guy that I hired in 1975. Uh, unbelievable. I think one of the things that you really are a good example in the business world is that you were always very real with your people, whether it was positive or negative, whether it was a good day or a bad day. You were real with them, and they knew where they stood with you. And they knew what to ex- that you what you expected, right. um, and I I believe that Jim carries a lot of those characteristics in what he does in his management as well. Um, but it it did set the bar very high because it was very different than a lot of people in a lot of different business environments were used to. Um, and you know I just want to encourage our our listeners with that same thing: being real with your people right. can go a long ways. Absolutely, one of the hardest things. I think my hardest job in my whole life was. Retiring, mm. because it was such a great experience for me. It really was. Yeah. And some of his salesmen actually cried when he left. Mm-hmm. And, and I remember times when he held uh, sales meetings on the golf course, and many times he prayed with the people when they were coming in for help. Mm. Now, Mom, you spent 17 arduous years as a substitute teacher after we moved to Minnesota, you couldn't uh, get a full-time teaching job, so you substitute taught. Even created a substitute teacher's union. Yes. <laughs> uh, B-E-S-T, if I remember correctly. Uh, wasn't that what it was? B-E-S-T? All right. But, you know, substitute teaching, it's it's probably the worst of all the jobs in teaching world. I, I had a teaching job, as you know, and I was a substitute teacher before I taught for one year, which was on my bucket list, which <laughs> was a great job. I mean, back to you, Mom. Martha tells me to move on. What, what was your favorite part about being in the classroom? Well, the, the young people and the open minds and the influence you can have on them. But um, 
I was there so often, they knew me very well, and they'd say, oh, no, not her. And, and they called you Mrs. B. Yes. And I'll never forget the first time as a Mrs. Brangenberg that I was called a Mrs. B by someone. And I thought, but that was my math substitute teacher. <laughs> but now I'm Mrs. B as well. Well, that's not the worst I was called. <laughs> Mother, this I'm is sure a Christian that. talk radio show. I am sure of that. We will repeat none of those she, things. She actually yeah. expected the kids to do the work that the teachers set out for them to do when she substitute taught, which is why the teachers all requested her, but the kids weren't necessarily that thrilled. No, when when <laughs> I'd walk kept... into the classroom and you were the sub, of course, I always knew because I knew that the phone rang at 530 in the morning that uh, I knew and, and my my friends would always go, oh, Jim, your mom is so hard. <laughs> I'm like, yep, yep, that's right. All right, so let's go back to your Bible reading. Dad, I, I remember the night that you started voraciously reading your Bible. March the 6th, 1983 was the day you quit smoking, and your life really took an, a, a radical swing, and you started eating up the Bible. You've now been reading the Bible for 32 years. What's one favorite passage or one story that really resonates with you over the years as you've read it, or you've read your Bible over and over? And I, just so you know, this is something, you know, when I've gone to visit you guys in Tucson, I always get up before you guys because of the three-hour time difference. And many times I've paged through your Bible and look at all the, the pages and the dates you've written on the pages that, as you've read it. What's, what's one story that is, is maybe like a life story for you? Well, my my favorite verse is, is is a standard one, really, for Christians, and that's John three sixteen, and uh, that's I I I I just anytime I'm asked what's my favorite verse, that's the verse that I always give. Uh, part of that has to do with the fact that my memory is not too good anymore, and I can read something and, and not remember it in five minutes. But uh, that's okay. Uh, that's part of life. Uh, but that to me is the one verse that tells the whole story. Mm-hmm. And, I just treasure it. Mm. Mom, what about you? You've been reading your Bible, you said, since you were 27. So that's about 20 years ago. And uh, <laughs> Thank oh. you. <laughs> Mom, you crack yourself I up, do. don't I you? I do crack myself up. This is great. This is like a comedy show. Okay. So, Mom, what, talk to me about your favorite passage or maybe your favorite story. Okay. I, I've read the Bible through many times, but my preference is to take a, sh- a short passage or one Bible book or a few verses and really do in-depth and uh, right now, um, in our cell group, I've been teaching Ezekiel for a whole year, and we're not through. We're up to chapter forty, which is quite something. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, my favorite verse is uh, Galatians two twenty. Um, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by the faith in Son in the Son of God, who loved and gave Himself for me. And so that that really sums up um, a lot of the Bible. But I have lots of favorite characters in the Bible. So uh, give, choose one. <laughs> okay, Joseph. Joseph was a type of Christ uh, who uh, forgave his um, sinful brothers and family, and then he saved them, the whole bunch of them, uh, from famine. At, and so he was someone who uh, sacrificed who forgave, uh, who saved, and uh, I look to him as a precursor of Christ. Mm. Mm. Love that. That was great. All right. A couple of quick just questions. Favorite Christmas memory as a kid? I know you guys, you grew up in the Depression. Favorite Christmas memories as a kid? Dad. Well, we had my my dad's business partner uh, lived with us for a number of years before he passed on. He was an older man. 
and he was uh, fairly well-to-do, whereas my mom and dad were living on pretty much a restricted budget. So any Christmas that we had, for the most part, was uh, uh, supplied by Fred. And he was just a marvelous Christian gentleman. Uh, he was the first man that I ever saw get down on his knees every single night and pray. And again in the morning before he'd come down to, to eat and so forth. He was just a marvelous, marvelous man. And he was like another grandfather, and maybe even closer, because my other two grandfathers were down in, New, in Atlantic City. And at that time, 100 miles was a big trip. So mm-hmm. uh, I knew Fred better than I did my own grandparents. So, mm. Mom, what about you? Favorite Christmas memory? Well, we always got the Sears catalog and picked out a lot of things. And we, we did that even with you kids. You like to look the, and, and chose 25 things. And even if you got only one or two, that made you pleased. Uh, actually, when I got my bicycle, I was seven years old. It was right after World War II. And uh, it was a surprise. It was um, quite an investment for my parents. And uh, it was uh, something I'll always remember that and and it, and later on, Jim took that bicycle apart, <laughs> used the parts. He's so sentimental. Well, <laughs> he used the, the parts the to make truth, something bigger and the better. The truth right? of it is I took that bike, I, I jumped off of a dirt mound about 35 feet through the air and landed and cracked the frame, and I used the parts on my own bike. So that's <laughs> yes. the truth of it. That's the truth of it. All right, so... Um, Mom, what's the most powerful thing you learned from your mom that you passed on to us kids? I knew your mom better than I knew your dad because he died when I was only seven. What was one thing that your mom taught you that you passed on to us kids? Well, that honesty is always the best policy, even if it hurts, and that um, you have to really, um, hatred is not allowed, was not allowed in our household, and um, the love of family, I'm sure that that was something that I learned from her. And uh, you always have to do your best. And my parents um, didn't come to the Lord till later in life. But uh, when John and I, when John went into service and we went to Germany and they were lonesome, I guess, they started going to church. And when we came back, they were churchgoers and they belonged to the Lord. And so uh, my mother uh, was a strong person. She was. Um, she had polio. She was in a brace later on in, in a wheelchair. And so she, from her, I learned how to be a helper and a server. Dad, I asked Mom right before the break, what was one of the things she learned from her mom that she passed on to us kids? Well, I didn't get to know your dad at all. He died when I was three years old. I, I, I have one memory of him, and that was because he liked to, me to punch him in his belly all the time because he had a you know kind of a round belly, kind of like Santa Claus. Um, but I do remember. I, so, what was one of the things that your dad taught you that you passed on to me? Well, the one of the most obvious thing is that he was always looking for ways to help anybody that was around him or anybody he had contact with, and there was never any questions asked of. If he needed to dig into his own pocket to help the person, that's what he did. If he needed somebody to help do something, he did it. Uh, He was very, very thoughtful that way as far as meeting the needs of other people that he would be in contact with. Hmm. Is he the one that taught you that if you borrow something from somebody, that when you bring it back, give it back in better condition than when you got it? Well, I, I don't recall that, Jim, to be honest with you, but uh, that's what he would do. <laughs> somehow I learned that from you. I don't know how I learned that one. Okay, so bucket list. What's one thing on your bucket list that you guys got to do that was like, that was something we always wanted to do, and we got to do it? What's one of those things? We're doing it now. Last month, we went to Minneapolis to see our daughter, and we're here to see you in Florida. Next month is the is the 
the grand total we're going to Hawaii oh, to oh, see. Oh, the penultimate is going to see Johnny. I see. <laughs> well, it's the farthest, you know, the most expensive. But this this is a, quite a trek for, for 80 years old. But um, we have no regrets. I'm content with where I am, and I've given up any grandiose wishes for the future. But whatever God has uh, in our future, we will accept it and thank him for it and um, praise him for it. All right. Thanks, Mom and Dad. It was great having you on the air with us today. Hey, as we come to the end of another I Work For Him show, thanks for tuning in today. I hope you enjoyed hearing a little bit from my mom and dad, a little bit of where I came from, and a little bit of my spiritual heritage story. Martha, that was a good time, wasn't it? It was. All right, thanks to our show sponsors. You can find out lots more about them online on our webpage, iworkforhim.com. And also, don't forget to go out to our Facebook page and sign up for the MTL Magazine giveaway of the Wow Brick you got to go out to Facebook and just search for I Work For Him. What did you learn today? What inspired you today from the conversation with my mom and dad about how we could take the city? You know, we heard from my mom and dad today about their faith impact in their workplaces. Mom as a substitute teacher, being able to share from her heart. Dad as a sales manager, investing in his people. But all along, what I saw them do is live life just kind of, they lived life. They, there was no pretense in my household. And, and I, I think you get that from my radio show. There's no pretense here. It's just who we are. But they made an impact. And I'll tell you one thing that mom and dad did every day is we had dinner together as a family. The most powerful tool in America for raising good kids, have dinner together. And that's something we learned from my mom and dad. And we pass it on to every couple that we meet with, every couple that we counsel. We've got to remember that this is an epic battle for the souls of our coworkers, employees, neighbors, and family, and we need to take this battle seriously. As you head into Christmas time, prepare to just be real and look for an opportunity to share how Christ has made a difference in your life. You've been listening to I Work For Him with your hosts, Jim and Martha Brangenberg. I'm a Christ follower, and we own our own business, but ultimately, I work for him. him.